A vision of Ray as being like a, a, a get in front, yeller and screamer type guy. He's a non-confrontational guy. I mean, he loves people. You know, he embraces people. That's what makes him kind of interesting and different than what people think. The other thing I would say, and it's comes piggyback on what John said, is Ray got drafted. He bought a condo or a townhouse for him. He bought one for his, his mom. And so the guys would come over to Ray's house. Well, one of the neighbors called the police because these had to be gang guys. I mean, these had to be little gangbangers with these <laughs> SUVs and, and all these guys. And, and, you know, and they had to be what's going on. So, you know, <laughs> please come knocking. Oh, hey, Mr. Lewis, you know, it's Ray. The Bible's out. And, you know, you got half the team in there and he's leading Bible study. And in him, the perception is not necessarily reality. But those of us that have been, you know, are behind the scenes with him all the time, we know you know, what he is as a man and as a person. The Ravens family has surrounded Ray Lewis since he arrived in the NFL. And never was their support of him stronger than in the response to an off-field episode in 2000, in which Lewis pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge of obstructing justice in connection with a double homicide outside an Atlanta nightclub. And I said, guys, this man has never been in a fight. And I said, that's just not him. It's not even close. And the entire organization, right. everybody believed in Ray Lewis. And nobody wavered. Yep. And that was the Not thing because close. I think any of us that had been around him like we had at that point for four seasons, yeah. I had four years, you had no question. Did that affect the, the way you were coaching him, Jack, to no. know that this was hanging no. over his head? And I think, you know, to his credit, I mean, he took a very difficult situation and then looked for ways to make it positive as positive as he could and grow and, and he looked for opportunities as a man when ray came back from atlanta after being you know he was he spent two weeks in jail and when he came back he said to me he talked about you know i've been reduced as low as any man could ever be reduced but now i've had a lot of time to pray about this i i i know i know the things i gotta remove i know the things that i can't i can't do no more i know the things i know the people i can't even hang around no more but I got it. I got it. And every day I came to work, as soon as I got back, I found out who friends was. I found out what loyalty meant. I found out how I had some great people in my corner. Fellow teammates, welcome to another episode of the Move Swiftly podcast. I am your host, Aswan Crookshank, the founder of Gym 44 Recruiting and author of Swiftly, Your Guide to Innovative Teamwork. Teammates, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Say it again nice and slow so it sinks in. Show me your friends and I'm going to show you your future. Today is one of many conversations, many discussions 
on why it is so important that we learn how to pick our friends, why it is so important that we have the right people in our life, why it is so important that we make sure if we want to develop and if we want to grow and if we want to get to the places that we say we want to get to, we have got to have the right people around us. We have got to let some people go. Again, show me your friends and I'm going to show you your future. You got to start chopping people off. Chop it. As soon as you heard me say that, I, I know for a fact you thought of somebody in your life right now that's holding you back. Let them go. Let them go. Say it again. Let them go. Because if you show me your friends, I'm going to show you your future. When I was in ninth grade, I was a freshman in high school. And if you guys have been keeping up with the episodes, you understand that that was a very, very rough time in my life. I, I was in a brand new school. Brand new situation. It was a culture shock. I was one of the few minority students at this particular school, at Good Council High School. Right? It was an extremely rough year. My grades sucked. I didn't play on the, the football team for the actual high school. And no one knew. I, I just didn't know anyone. I took an honors physics class. I was in an honors physics class. A class that I eventually failed and I had to go to summer school to get eligible to play. And I was in this class and I was one of two minority students. It was myself and a gentleman named Ray. Now, Ray wasn't black. Ray was Hispanic. And this was back in the day when Good Counsel was in Wheaton. This was before we moved to Olney. And Wheaton is a, is a, a highly Hispanic community. There's a lot of Hispanics in that community. So Ray and I developed a sort of a bit of a bond during that time. It was after class one day, and we were waiting for the bell to ring, and Ray and I were just sort of chatting. And Ray just sort of stopped. And he, he looked at me and he just asked me, he goes, Hey, you know, what how come I never see you hanging out with like Mark and Darnell and Andrew? And he starts naming off all the black kids in our class. And then he goes, I never see you hanging out with him. I just, you're just like a loner. I never, never see you talking to anyone. And teammates, that kind of hit me a little bit. It bothered me a little bit. The observation he made was very, very accurate. That's why it bothered me. You know, I didn't have an answer. I was just like, ah, jeez, I, I don't know. It bothered me because I, I really struggled with acceptance. As much as I put on a front act like it doesn't fade me, phase me. It phases me. It hurt me a little bit to know that I wasn't accepted, even to this day, to know I'm not going to be accepted in certain crowds. I struggle with acceptance even to this day because Ray's observation was so accurate and it was confirmed that, that he was not the only person that made that observation. In fact, and again, if you guys have been keeping up with the episodes, you know I had the same barber from when I was in second grade all the way until I moved to Florida. And when I was in high school, again, my barber made the exact same observation. It was one day after I was getting a haircut, my mother comes in, and my mother and my barber, my barber's name was Bruce, my mother and Bruce just start chatting. My mother's like, you know, how's he doing? How's he holding up? You know, I haven't seen you in a while. And again, Bruce said that Bruce made the same observation that Ray did. Bruce just sort of looked at me and said, you know what I like about him? And Bruce was Jamaican, a very thick Jamaican accent. He goes, you know what I like about him? 
I never see him with a whole lot of friends. I never see him with a whole lot of friends. And then again, Bruce goes on his, his little rant about how friends just change you. Never have a lot of friends around you. Friends ain't cool. At the time, teammates, I'm, again, I'm bothered because I'm struggling with acceptance. I'm, I'm wanting to fit in. I don't think it's cool to, have not, to not have a lot of friends. I didn't get it at that age. And then I grew up. I grew up and I realized how much of a blessing it is to not have too many friends. All right. I grew up and I realized that these these were not insults that were thrown at me. These were actually compliments if you look at it the right way. And I know I'm talking to a lot of people who are trying to expand and they, they're trying to get to places in their life. This is why it is so important that you start learning how to pick your friends. All right. There have been tons and tons of people in my life that have only been in my life for a season because it was convenient for them. All right. There have been tons of people who, who just use me up. And as soon as I'm no good to them, they're gone. I'll give you an example. And, and this was one of many examples. When I was in middle school, when I was in middle school, I met a guy named Shane. And Shane became like a brother to me. He was the only one. Well, he was one of the few people that I've met outside of football that I got really close to. Shane was from Trinidad, which is where my family's from. He had an older sister. I had an older sister too. It's in the sports. I'm in the sports. So there was a lot of there was a lot of things that we had in common. The difference was Shane was extremely popular in middle school. I mean, all the girls wanted to be with him. He was he was Mr. Cool Guy. And it wasn't that I was unpopular, I just wasn't popular on his level. And it just threw a lot of our pairs off to see us hanging out and, and being so cool with each other. It just, it just didn't, it didn't make sense to a lot of our classmates. In fact, I would always get the feeling during school that he didn't really want to broadcast our friendship. All right. There have been times in which Shane has spent the night at my house. I mean, there have been times in which my family would treat him to breakfast. In fact, listen, let me tell you, there was, there was one time where Shane had spent the night at my house. And the next day, we dropped him to his house because he had to get ready for a basketball game. A basketball game which my father and I had planned on attending. Now, once we dropped, once we dropped Shane to the house from my house, for, once we dropped Shane to his house from my house, Shane then calls me. He calls me and he goes, hey, dog, uh, y'all still coming to the game? I'm like, um, we might make it there. You might be a little late. What's up? And then Shane goes, yeah, yeah, because I, I don't got a ride. You think you think hook me up to a ride to the game? Now, it's, it's interesting because my mother was right there when, when I took that call. And my mother was a little bothered by that. She didn't like the way she didn't like the way that me, my father and I were getting taken advantage of. She 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 just kind of it was very Larry to her. It, it, it bothered her a little bit because she started to see the writing on the wall in which we were taken being starting to become taken advantage of. She knows my father better than anyone knows me. and She knows how good guy the type of good people we are. And she knows that 
we can be taken advantage of if we're not careful. So put the phone down and Shane's like, all right, I'll try to find another ride. Couple minutes later, Shane calls back and says, yeah, I don't got a ride, dog, please. Can you hook us up? So my father and I, we go back to his house, pick him up, and then we drop him to the game. Now we were late and we happened to miss the game, but at the end of the day, we looked out. And I tell you guys that just to show you how close we were, how much like brothers we were. Then we can't, Then it got to high school. I ended up going to good counsel, and Shane ended up staying and going to Springbrook, the public school that everybody else went to. My focus was on football. Me and Shane, we lost touch throughout our high school years because Shane was focused on partying, chasing women, and he started drinking at that age. And that's just not where my head was. I had saw how how much my mother and father had sacrificed to get me to the school and how much of an honor it was to play for Coach Malloy and do all these. It was such a blessing. I did not have time to engage in any of that bullshit. All right. And again, like I mentioned, his popularity was on another level. So he got mixed in with the wrong crowd throughout his high school years. Not judging. It happens to a lot of people. Just saying those, that was the difference in my life. And hopefully you guys are taking notes and you're seeing you're seeing the difference, all right? Parents out there, take a note. Stay on your kids or adults, the people that are guardians of these young people. Make sure you keep them engaged in activities because it's a completely different world. We're talking about two people who were like brothers. One had a two-parent household, myself, and people that were going to look out for him no matter what, and the other one didn't. And that's how easy that road is to go down. And anyway... Once I got to college, I lost touch with everybody that I went to high school with. All right, I went out of state for college, and I never, you know, I lost contact with everyone. That high school graduation was literally the last time I saw the majority of people that I went to high school with. And then when I would come home for breaks, that's when I would hit Shane up. And Shane and I, we picked up where we left off. We were like brothers. And at this point... I had a car now, we were old enough to drink, we were old enough to do all these things, and Shane's popularity was still there. So he and I reconnected, and again, we were like boys again. But this time, we're actually doing grown man shit, right? We're actually going and clubbing, we partied. In fact, there was, it was his birth. I went to my first ever strip club, and it was his birthday. It wasn't a club, it was a warehouse, just an empty warehouse in the middle of nowhere. And it's, we're talking about... Butt naked women just all over the place. And this was the first time I had ever been in, in a strip club environment. And it was with him. I mean, we would party, we would drink, we would do all kinds of shit that I can't even repeat on here. But we were boys, and at this point, we were old enough to do it. But here's, here's where things change for me, teammates. And I want you guys to pay very close attention to what I'm getting ready to tell you. And go back and think about, think about what I said to start this episode. Show me your friends, and I'm going to show you your future. All right? Shane never had a car. In fact, I don't even think he had a license or permit. I really don't. All right? He never had any mode of transportation. Now, because he was so popular and he was so well-known, he was always the one who knew about the part. He was like a local celebrity, a Montgomery County celebrity, you know, amongst the, the nightlife and the party in life. And he would know where all the parties were. And when, once he received those messages of what's, what's going on that night, he would go call around and ask for rides or, or 
text all the people who have cars and that can get them to where it is he was trying to go. Now, I happen to be one of the people that he would text looking for a ride or looking for a way to get to a party or wherever it was. There had a time in which he texted me during the day saying, you know, there's an empty house. We're going to pack it with some hoes. We got some liquor. We got all that stuff going. And he texted me. He's like, yeah, just let me know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool, I'm with it. You know, say less. You said hoes. You said liquor. You said empty house. Say no more. I'm there. But then I realized that my car was in the shop. I was like, oh, wait, I don't even have a car. But my dad was home. The same guy that looked out for him younger. My dad was home, and I texted him back saying, oh, well, my dad's, my dad's home. I'll see if I can use the car or whatever. Now, Shane doesn't text me back. Like, hours, hours go by, and I don't hear back from him. Then all of a sudden, he calls me. Calls me. The guy calls me. Doesn't even say hello. He calls me on the phone, and it's like, yo, he going to let you get the car? <laughs> And I'm throwing a little bit. I'm, I'm a little just out of it because I, I didn't ask. Well, first of all, I didn't even ask my dad yet. And I didn't know what the what the situation was because he, you know, he didn't text me any details. But then Shane's on the phone and he goes, oh, he's going to let you get it. And I'm like, I don't know yet. And Shane goes, oh, man. All right, so check this out. Long story short, I was riding. I was on my way to the party, whatever. And we got pulled over. It turns out the car didn't have insurance. And now we're kind of stranded. So can you go and see if your dad could hook me up? <laughs> and teammates, as I'm walking downstairs and I'm getting ready to ask my dad, something just came over me. I just stopped. I stopped. I don't know if it was God. It's it just something, something stopped me in my tracks. And I just said, you know what? Fuck him. Fuck him. So you mean to tell me you already had, once you had your ride lined up and you had your way of getting to the party, Aswan wasn't even invited at that point. And, and this, well, this is actually going to probably be the first time my father hears this, but I never even asked my father because I know my father would have looked out. I know how much he meant to my family. I know that if I would have went to my father and said, hey, Shane's in trouble, can I use the car? My father would have let me use it. And I never even went and asked him. I just walk right back into my room. I texted Shane back and say, he's not letting me use it. Good luck. And I was done with him. I was done with him in my life. I got tired of being taken advantage of. Now, I don't want you guys to think I'm not bashing Shane. I don't know if he's ever going to get a chance to hear this or not. But he is one of many people that have walked in and out of my life. And I, I tell you guys that because I want you to understand people have a season. Friends have an expiration date. If you take anything from what I just told you, understand they have an expiration date. If they ain't getting you where you're trying to go, you got to cut them loose. It, it, it's funny because that situation was the last was one of the last times I, that I ever contacted him. Once I graduated college, and this was the last time, I'll tell you when the last time I ever saw Shane. Once I graduated college, I was working at a lot of different gyms and Spunk was one of the, Spunk Fitness was one of the gyms I worked at, which was right in the community in which we grew up in. And, you know, he had reached out to me. I don't know. We got in touch. We got on the phone, whatever. And I told Shane that I'm at, at Spunk Fitness, that I'm working at the gym. And you know what he says to me? <laughs> he says, oh, man, I, I was thinking about getting a membership. But now that you're working there, I don't got to get a membership now. Cool. See you tonight, bro. I'm like, this motherfucker. 
This motherfucker ain't changed for that. I mean, again, I love him to death, but like certain people, you gotta let go, bro. Damn. So now I'm working, and all of a sudden, it's the same thing over and over. Now, this was a kid, again, who had so much popularity. So he's using the gym for free because his boy worked it. And you see this kind of thinking? You see that kind of thinking? Get him out. Get him away from your life. Trust me. And it all started from when we were younger. And my father and I, you know, we looked, my, not only my father, but my family in general always looked out for him. Be careful with the kind of people that you bring around your family. Be careful with the, the people that are coming in just to take advantage of you. All right. And, and I'll close with this. This was, I was, again, I was younger. And again, this is an issue that's an ongoing issue with me. I've always struggled with that acceptance. I've always struggled finding friends. So I was younger and I went to my mother one night. I went into my mother's room and I asked my mother this question. I said, mom, who would you consider your best friend? Like, who are you friends with? And my mother said to me, she, it really kind of threw her because my mother just looked at me. She goes, you know, you and your sister are my best friends. I look at my kids as my best friends. I don't need to be around a whole lot of people and having cool. I, I just don't need it. I, I don't need other people to validate for me my acceptance. And I want you guys to really take that in. All right. My mother... Great woman, beautiful, and not the smartest woman, but she gave probably the best answer that I've ever heard to that question. In fact, she and my dad have been married for 36 years, and this is an issue that I, I could get, there'll be completely different answers on, all right? So I'm, I'm pleading with you, I'm begging you, teammates, evaluate your life right at this particular moment. Ask yourself right at this moment, what do I want my future to look like? What is it do I want in my future? And ask yourself, are the friends and all the people around me, are they helping me get to the future I want? Say it again. What do I want my future to look like? And are my friends helping me get there? If not, it's time to do some evaluation. It's time to let some people go. Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We'll talk more soon. You know, the people I can't even hang around no more. But I got it. I got it. And every day I came to work, as soon as I got back, I found out who friends was. I you hear me, Sonny? Pay attention to the voices. They'll lead you in the right direction. I hear you, my dear. I just, uh, what am I supposed to do now? Get up and go on with your life. It's all right to sit around, be depressed for a minute, cry about it, do whatever you have to, but don't stay there too long. Get up and go on with your life. So you know what I... This is what I learned in all these years on this earth. If somebody want to walk out of your life, let them go. Especially if you know you done done everything you can do, you done sat around and been the best man or the best woman you could be and they still want to go, let them go. Whatever they running after, they'll see what they had in a minute, but by then it's going to be too late. Because you're sick and you'll go... Because half these people you be sitting around crying about it, worry about two, three years from now, you ain't going to even remember their last name. How many times you have seen folks somewhere, you'd be like, what the hell was I thinking? I done been there, I'd be like, what was wrong with me? What was I going through? I must have been lonely as hell to hook up with you. Let folks go, son. Some people come in your life for a lifetime, some come for a season. You got to know which is which. 
And you're going to always mess up when you mix them uh, seasonal people up with lifetime expectations. You can't, they got people that got married with people they was only supposed to be with for a season. And they got married to people they only supposed to be with for a season and wonder why they're having so much hell in their life. That was a person that was supposed to come and teach you one thing. You didn't know it, so you just fell in love. And now you wonder why hey, you ain't got no peace, no way you go. No, no. Listen, I put everybody come in my life in the category of a tree. Some people are like leaves on a tree. The wind blow, they over here. They unstable. They blow the other way, they over here. Ain't nothing. Season change, they wither and die, they gone. That's all right. That's some people. Most people in the world are like that. They just there to take from the tree. They ain't, they ain't there to do nothing but take and give shade every now and then. That's all they can do. But don't get, don't get mad at people like that. That's who they are. They ain't going to never be nothing. That's what they put on this earth to be, but be what they are, a leaf. Some people are like a branch on that tree. You got to be careful with them branches too because they'll fool you. you. They'll get there and make you think they're a good friend and they're real strong. But the minute you step out there on them, they'll break and leave you high and dry. But if you find you two or three people in your life that's like the roots at the bottom of that tree, you are blessed, because that's them the kind of people that ain't going nowhere. They ain't worried about being seen. Don't nobody have to know that they know you. They ain't got to know what they're doing for you. But if them roots wasn't there, that tree couldn't live. You understand? And, and, and they ain't got a whole, a tree can have 100 million branches, but only a few roots down at the bottom to make sure it get everything it need. You got, I'm telling you, son, when you get you some roots, hold on to them. But the rest of them, let it go. Just let it go. Let folks go. Amadeus, mm -hmm. it's not always that easy. Ain't nobody said it was going to be easy, but it'll get easy when you learn how to love yourself. When you get to a point in your life where you look at people and you go, okay, wait a minute, you or me, you will make a decision. Because when you're telling folks to do something, and I, I never throw nobody away. I've never in my life just thrown nobody away. Just say, look, don't bother me no more. Don't talk to me. No, I've never done it. What I do is I tell you, say, look, this thing you're doing right here, that's going to cause a problem. You need to fix that because if we're going to be friends, we're going to be cool, you got to fix that. And if you don't, we're going to have an issue. If you see somebody fix it or they're even trying to fix it, that's somebody that care. Keep them people around. That's a leaf that's trying to grow up and be something else. You understand? But if you tell somebody that what you're doing is hurting me and I need you to stop it and they keep doing it, they don't care, move on, let them go. No matter how much it hurt, let them go. And it'll get easier, I promise you, every day it'll get easier and easier and easier, but you just got to make it through. You hear me, Sonny? And CP, you got to learn how to be by yourself, son. People have to learn how to be alone. I don't understand all these people, oh, I need somebody. Lord, where's my man? Lord, where's my woman? That is crazy as hell. If you don't know how to be by yourself, what you going to do with somebody else? Stop praying about it. Shut up and wait. Go work on you, hell, that's what that time is for, to get yourself together. I'd rather be in a corner by myself with a puppy and a goldfish and be happy than to be sitting around with somebody in my house. I'm wondering what the hell they there for. You, you, you would be surprised the things people put up with just to have somebody to say they love them. That's cr I don't understand. I, I can't live in dysfunction. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I done come through too much, been through too much hell and high water to come there and let you come up in my adult life and where I'm supposed to be at peace and give me all kind of hell. Only two places on this earth you're going to have peace, the grave and your house. Now, if you can't walk up in your house and you ain't got no peace, something wrong. Something wrong. I'm sorry. People be rebuking Satan. I be rebuking Satan and beating the hell out of everything that's up in there until they get out. I'm sorry.
You got to go. This is mine. You hear me, Sonny? I do. For sure. You better hear me for sure. I'm gonna